You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us as always. Always appreciate it when you guys are hanging out with us. We've got a great episode for you today. This is a talk from one of our learning party sessions. We've been sharing a few of these with you. Um, great guy named Randall Newdorf. And Jared, tell me a little bit, before we get into the content, of course, for those who don't know, tell me a little bit about a learning party. What What is this thing? What is this party and learning thing? Well... Uh, this uh, this recording today was originally recorded on April the 9th at our Hamilton uh, learning party. And we have one coming up. For those of you who don't know, it'll be in Kitchener-Waterloo uh, on November the 5th. So make sure you sign up for that. It's on our events page on our website. Um, but a learning party, it's designed to be everything good about a conference, but without the usual uh, stuff that goes along with a conference, the stuff you don't like. Uh, I find them much more fun, much more interactive. So a couple things. Instead of charging hundreds of dollars for one ticket, this is 25 bucks for the day. We try and keep the costs low. Uh, we feed you for that. It's incredible. Um, we give you snacks. We give you free coffee. Uh, we try to keep it low because we want... We want to make this super accessible. Um, and instead of maxing out our capacity, so you bring in a $1,000 trillion speaker, and then you have to try and make that up at the door, what we do is we limit our numbers so we create a really intimate environment where people can get to know each other and conversations and connecting actually happen. And then instead of listening to message after message from gurus and these big expensive people, uh, what we do is we we actually scan the registration list and we look for potential uh, speakers there. So if you're interested on November 5th uh, in, in, in being one of our presenters, let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, be part of it. So um, that's basically what a learning party is. It's, it's all uh, about discussion. It's about engagement. It's about hearing from practitioners, people in your region. And, uh, and they're a lot of fun, Al. Uh, you've been to them. I've been to them. They're a great time. And so what, we, what we've been doing in this podcast uh, series is we're, we're taking clips from presenters who showed up at the last learning party uh, in hopes to, to inspire some of you to come out and share what you got at the, at the next one. And so today's clip is from uh, Randy or Randall, as he's known now. Uh, Randall Newdorf. Um, and he's talking about what, L? Well, he's talking a little bit about, I would kind of think of it as almost slow church, uh, things that they've been doing at the church that he's a part of that's a little more participatory versus programmed and slowing down during the seasons where, you know, church typically ramps up like Christmas and things like that. I, I thought it was very practical and, and very helpful. So it's a great conversation. Give it a spin. This is Randall Newdorf uh, from the Learning Party last year and hope you like it. So my name's Randy, I'm from the Commons. We're a little little church plant in Hamilton. And uh, we've often prided ourselves at, at not getting stuck in a rut. Uh, we, we try not to have a lot of traditions or sacred cows. We're always trying to think, what's a new way we can experiment? What's a new thing we can do? And that, that's sort of been uh, our, our history. Um, 
we're always reevaluating. Every, everything has an end date. If we start something, there's an end date already attached to it so that we can reevaluate and decide what's coming next. And so our, our latest experiment, which doesn't necessarily have an end date, is, is slowing church down. And for me, the idea of, of slowing church down is not settling for a quick taste of something novel, uh, like a one-off liturgical reading or a cool creative segment or alt-worship. Uh, instead, we're trying to slow down and savor what we're learning for a month or so at a time. We're seeking to turn exposure into long-lived practice, and the hypothesis is that the repetition would help us enter into a deeper form of spiritual participation. And, and with practice, we become more aware of what the Holy Spirit might be whispering to us as a community as we seek to get to know God better. And so this started for us uh, at our supper club, and, and we had six months where we got together once a month uh, to learn a spiritual practice. We had an urban monastic partner with us and, uh, called GoHop, and, and they came and they taught us a different spiritual practice each month, and then we were supposed to put that into practice for the month, and we were learning things like Lectio Divina, which is a way of reading scripture, uh, breath prayers, Sabbath ry- rhythms, just to name a couple things, but we wouldn't get together every week. We'd get together once and then put it into practice for a month and then talk about it and see how it, how it worked. And, and some things really caught on for people and some things didn't and it was different for everyone. Uh, but this slower, repetitive way of life uh, started to leak into our gatherings. And uh, we started to look for ways that these things could, could be part of, of, of our, our bigger teaching times for the larger group. And so summer park gatherings had always been a time of rest for us. We just, instead of meeting inside, we, we, we go out into the park, Beasley Park nearby, blankets and lawn chairs, no setup, no cleanup. Uh, one person leads only one week, so we'd have eight volunteers for the summer, so you'd get seven weeks off, which was awesome. And, and we'd try to be intergenerational and have the kids right with us. And uh, we even made hymnotangs to get rid of uh, electricity and PowerPoint and things like that. Uh, we're patenting the hymnotang. Uh, it's... it's yeah, yeah, we got a blue one for summer, and then we moved on to Advent because we were looking for another rest period, and we've got a red hymnotang, and uh, it has all our Christmas songs in it as well. And so we were looking for a way of how do we make our year have Sabbath in it, and I know Sundays are, are typically the Sabbath, but we were looking for, for a rhythm in our year. So we already had this summer sort of Sabbath season where it was very restful for, for people, especially people who were leading, and so we thought, how could we bring that into another season. And when other churches are ramping up during Advent and Christmas, we decided we were going to give people more space. So uh, these hymnotangs got brought out, and we had a Christmas carol jamboree. So there was no music practice. The band was whoever showed up. You're supposed to bring an instrument if you had one. I had a box of percussion equipment. And uh, if you played an instrument, I'd give you a hymnotang that had chords in it. And we had uh, other, other books for people who weren't playing uh, an instrument. And uh, again, we would turn off our PA system. Even though we were inside, uh, we had no electricity going other than a couple lights. And and that took away setup and tear down, and it changed the way you thought about the gathering because it was was open, just your voice 
whether you're singing or speaking, was, was just there. And, and probably the biggest thing we did is we didn't have any official teaching times where there was like someone who prepared a talk or a sermon. Instead, we took Lectio Divina, where you, it's a, for anyone who doesn't know uh, what it is, you're reading scripture, uh, the same scripture over and over again, and you're asking sort of a, a question or reflection and the scripture, instead of you reading it, it's supposed to read you. And so all we did is set up four people over Advent to, you're taking this passage, you're taking this passage, and, and just lead us through that. And so we just kind of trusted that if we let ourselves participate in this, that, that we would learn something for it, even though someone hadn't put the time in ahead of time. And it worked. People were getting a lot out of that, and there was good discussions, and, and there was a feeling of rest that uh, people were able to carry on into the rest of their Christmas season and, and find meaning and relationship because we gave them time to do that. So we wanted to see how could we build in some of these, these repetitions and, and some of this rest into the, the, the rest of our year. And so we looked at our gatherings where we would normally be switching things every week, and we thought, what could we repeat? <laughs> uh, and, and so we, we were trying to think of what could you do once, uh, prepare once well, and do it four times for a month. And we thought, closing song. Let's have a closing song each week uh, that for a month we'll do the same song. We're going to, instead of having different people setting up the coffee each week, let's have one person do it for a month. But let's turn it into something intentional and make it be actually a spiritual practice. So we started telling people that if you make coffee, you're really serving communion. And, and so for a month, when you're making coffee, we want you to be praying for the people that you're making coffee for and knowing that you're, you're, you're setting a table for the community to be at. And then we decided we would have a repetition segment. So we would choose a liturgy or an alt-worship activity or a spiritual practice that the whole community together, uh, with the kids in and everything, we would learn together for a month and, and try to encourage people, just like the supper club, to do that at home. And, and, and then the next month we would try something else. So, you know, we're not, we're not taking these things on sometimes for a year, but we're, for what used to be a, a one-off thing for one week that would never happen again, we would journey with it for just a little longer, for a month. And then the latest experiment we had is for Holy Week, uh, we decided that we would use the common prayer book for ordinary radicals, and, and we would actually go through the daily prayers for Holy Week. And so we got together in a different home each night for Holy Week, and we just did the liturgy together and, and prayed together, and, and sometimes people would stay and visit, and sometimes people would say, I got to go now, and, and we would do that each night, and just intentionally tried to take time together and, and slow down the process of going into Easter. And so uh, this has been an experiment for us, and there's been some good, ugly, and bad things that have resulted because uh, it's a work in process. But the good that, that I'm super excited about, um, the top for my personal list is my son, Ethan. He's 10 years old. And if you, you met him, he's the kid that you never think he's listening and that he's sitting there the whole time, and you think he hasn't learned anything you said, and he hates most things about church because he doesn't like singing. And, and so, uh, but he actually learned breath prayers when we introduced them for a month, and, and he actually started using breath prayers when he was scared or anxious. And, and I know that doesn't sound earth-shattering, but if you knew my son, it's earth-shattering that he, he kind of took that on. Um, and, and spiritual practices have been for, 
for both my oldest kids something that they really resonated with. Um, and, and people are incorporating them in their weekly rhythms. Uh, perfection and polish polish or de-emphasized over participation because you're asking people to be part of it so it's going to be different every time uh the rest gained during things like summer and advent gave a lot of people more energy to be more labor intensive during seasons like lent and so we would really focus in on, on lent and good friday and holy week and we could do something a little more even though we're a small church uh, because we gave a lot of chance for our volunteers and teaching team and musicians to rest other times of the year. People can be present in the season because it, 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 it just gives a little bit more room to, to breathe. You get a chance to do a redo. If you didn't do it well the first week, if I'm trying to lead uh, a new segment and I sucked the first week. I got three whole more weeks to perfect it. I don't, every time I've tried something new, I'm like, oh, that was good. But if I ever get a chance to do it again, and, and the, other, the other good thing is it really takes the same amount of energy to plan one thing for a month or a one-off. And so, you're, again, you're giving time back to people, and that's been a, a huge thing for us. The ugly... Uh, it's been so new for us to repeat things that sometimes we forgot to include our re repetition segment in, in a gathering. Just everyone totally forgot. No one even said, hey, what about that thing we did last week? No, just totally forgot. And so we've done that a couple times. Uh, the other ugly thing is you actually need someone to think ahead. Uh, you need someone, if you're not going to use PowerPoint, to think about what songs you were going to use over the next month and put them in the hymnotang. You got to pick your, your Lectio scriptures in November so that even the pastor gets a chance to have a rest in December. You have to think ahead. Um, you need to invest in training and team building because you're expecting people not only to learn something for themselves, but you're expecting them to learn how to pass it on to someone else. And, and that's a little bit different. And, and so we're, we're trying to get better at that. The bad things, the things that didn't work well, when we had this whole slow church idea, we had this other dream where we weren't going to just have people do things for a month. We were going to have them work as pairs, and we were going to have it be a mentoring thing. So I would, I would sign up to, to lead something, and I would have someone else be part of it with me. And it happened a couple times. There were some times where that mentoring happened, but most times it just never worked out. So we weren't able to connect this sort of one-on-one -on -one mentoring with this idea of people sort of teaching for, for a month at a time something. Um, easier doesn't mean no work at all. <laughs> Sometimes, because people start to get a feeling like, oh, this is easy, it just does itself, especially with liturgy. Um, you think that because it's written, you're going to open that book, and people are going to come over to your house, and you're going to lead this liturgy, and it's just going to happen. Uh, but you got to actually read it ahead of time. You need to check to see if you know the song that might have been included that you didn't know. Uh, just because somebody wrote something for you doesn't mean there's no work for you. And so uh, the danger is that, that you just you don't put any time in, even though it's less. Um, leading intergenerationally is a real skill. Um, this stuff is great for, for lots of different ages and, and, and learning styles and even disabilities. Uh, but most of us haven't learned to think how to present to people who aren't like us, whether it's, even it's your own kids. I'm terrible at, at teaching my own kids things, but my wife is amazing at it. But lots of people don't have the, 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 the mindset to be intergenerational, so we see that as a whole. 
And a lot of this is still mostly Sunday-focused with us, except for a couple examples like Holy Week or, or a supper club that happened and, and then end. But for us right now, it's really been Sunday-focused, and, and we'd like to see that expanded. But for now, that, that's sort of a shortcoming for us. And that's what I got. Thanks so much to Randall for sharing all of that great stuff uh, about his church, uh, the commons, and the things that they are doing. Jared, what did you think about that? Was there any interesting takeaways from you for you? Well, uh, you know, what I, I genuinely loved about it was the practical way. So a lot of these talks can be kind of theoretical, mm-hmm. but Randall is bringing... I think some really practical advice on how to actually slow things down. One of the major challenges in church plants is actually burnout. We Mm -hmm. actually burn ourselves out. And so uh, this idea of, of a sort of an instituted rhythm of Sabbath is something that I've heard of church planters uh, uh, doing and instituting, and they have never looked back. Um, So, it's a thought because I think burnout is a real issue. And I think there's a lot of things that cause that. I think that the sort of church planter as the hero image uh, causes burnout. I think um, uh, the, the sort of uh, we haven't really dealt with our Christendom expectations of what church life actually looks like. I think mm-hmm. that causes burnout. I even think that sometimes creative church plants cause their own burnout by um demanding that every Sunday be an artistic revolution in the the way humans are gathered. So what I like about this is it's very human-sized, and I think it's practical advice. Um, It's it's not going to blow your socks off, although there was a concept in here that's very unique. um, uh, And... And, and unfortunately, it's it's causing great expense to the New Leaf Network to even put this podcast out because it's the term that Randall uh, uh, trademarked. We have to pay him $5 every time we say it. And that is the word hymnotang. 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 It's quite the word. Well, that's 10. So that's right like... there, that just costs us 15 bucks. Hymnotang. <laughs> so... oh, I, I, la- I, laughed, I laughed my head off. That was great. No, you know what? It's great especially with the creative stuff. I mean, you're right. Trying to come up with something brand new or quote unquote brand new every Sunday and having these, you know, creative expressions. I mean, that can cause some serious burnout uh, for a church planter or for really anyone in the church world. And just thinking, I I was really encouraged by his talk because I personally love speed and efficiency. I could just spend all day figuring out how to become more efficient with the things that I do and um, how do I get, you know, jam the most into this day and how do I stay on task and uh, you know what, that can spill over into church life for me and and uh, and that's not, I don't think that's necessarily the rhythm Jesus wants us to be um, living on all the time. So this idea of slowing things down, of the practice of being patient, of patient fruit and just spending the time that you normally would be spending coming up with all these new and creative ideas, but really just saying, you know what, we're going to do the same thing for a month, take one thing and live on it for a month. I mean, that's, 
you know what, it sounds simple, but I think it actually in the end can be just almost just as hard um, only because we are so used to the new. We're so used to switching things up and making things quote unquote fresh. So I was really challenged by Randall's talk and um, I, yeah, really hopeful that other people could be encouraged to maybe give that a try in their church plant or in their church context. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's something in the way that we actually structure our lives together. I mean, um, uh, and, and we have to pay attention to that as leaders in the church. We have to pay attention to that, especially as planters, uh, to make things doable. Um, you know, here's a, here's a problem I have with, with the way that we've structured and, and one of the basic rhythms of church. It's the every seven days, the pastor gets up there and preaches a sermon um, and it's always on a different topic. And, and here's, here's how I see, like we, we created that culture, but then c- culture starts creating us. Here's what I mm-hmm. think happens with just that one rhythm. And if we don't consider it, we wind up getting what we've been getting. So every seven days, a pastor gets up there and this is actually even worse if they're a good preacher. Um, every seven days they get up there and they say, you know what, friends, the Christian life is all about prayer. And they preach a great sermon about prayer and you go home thinking, you know what? I want to pray more. And Monday Mm -hmm. and Tuesday, you give it a try. Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, you know, you're you're starting to maybe slip a little bit on Saturday. You know, uh, you kind of forget all about it. And then Sunday, the pastor gets up and says, you know what, friends? It's all about Christian community. If you don't know each other, um, if you don't spend time with each other, uh, then you're missing the whole point of Christian community. And you go home and you say, it's all about Christian community. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you try. And then, you know, the rest of the week, it's kind of a failure. And then eventually, after a while of that rhythm, what you get the sense of is not, hey, the Bible and, and what we believe in as a community or what, what my leaders communicate to me are actually not things I need to be doing. Hmm. They're things that I just need to agree with and enjoy how they say them. And that's why I think has caused some of the demise of the modern sermon is that our weekly life rhythm has been, um, I think uh, we, we tend to review sermons and rather than see them as things to respond to. So what I love about what Randall's doing and that slow church idea is that they're, they're flipping that rhythm on its head and they're, they're asking better questions by staying focused on the same thing. If maybe we go month by month or a couple of months on the same basic topic, then I think what we're communicating in our rhythm is that these are actually meant to shape our lives, mm-hmm. not just things we're meant to enjoy. So that's something I got out of it. What what else? What else in in there? Did you uh, did you were you feeling? Yeah, I loved really loved the idea of the repetitiveness, and I think for me, I I found it. I found it really encouraging, but at the same time challenging because I know in my own life, I need the disciplines of repetitiveness. Like I need to do things over and over again to, to become disciplined. And that, that also is in my spiritual practices and how I I live my life with Christ. There's this repetitiveness to it that I need to be disciplining myself to be, to be doing these things that I believe are important. And, but like kind of what you were saying, we, don't necessarily always do that with our teaching and church sometimes isn't always that way when we are um, trying to come up with the new thing all the time so that idea of saying you know what we're going to talk about joy 
for four weeks or we're going to go through this one scripture for this amount of time. When you first propose that, I think, oh my goodness, that sounds awful. When you really think about spending time going deep on something, looking for um, that repetitiveness and that discipline, I, I think it's really, I, I was just really encouraged by it, but also challenged by it. I, um, It's a practice, something I need to think more about in my own life. And I think it would only be beneficial for churches at some time in their story to be thinking about that as well. And I loved where he talked about coffee as serving communion. I thought that was a, a really wonderful a mm. wonderful analogy to say, you know what, you're going to be doing the coffee for these next four weeks, but really you're setting up the communion table. You're, you're, you're participating in this, in this life, in this rhythm, in our community. And I thought that was really beautiful. I love the practical aspect of his talk. Um, I can get lost in pithy ideas all day, but I love mm -hmm. the practical nature of what he shared. And just, it's so different from our culture. And unfortunately, it also is so different from our churches. This idea of instant gratification, we've just become so accustomed to it. The idea of turning on a switch and having something happen. Yet when we spend time in the scriptures, it's all about patience and seed sowing and this long discipline of fruit bearing. And... Um, that's not an instant process. So I got a lot from it, from a little talk. And you know what? I remember being at the learning party and having lots of people uh, actually talk quite a bit about this, this talk that Randall gave because it's just so different from what we face. And so often the temptation of churches to become so programmed versus becoming more participatory. And, and, and that's kind of what we want to start bringing to the podcast here is, is, this isn't always it doesn't always have to be high-minded ideas. Sometimes these simple little things can make all the difference in the world. Um, uh, in terms of 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 like I was mentioning, these rhythms like these are things we have to actually consider. I think one of the things that we need to start measuring more often in our lives together is what is if you live life with us. For two or three years what is different about you mm -hmm. so i think one of the things that we need to start measuring as church plants is is the effect the the effect that we have on people's lives as they live with us um and and you know this isn't necessarily quantitative stuff but this is qualitative stuff how has your life changed by living in the rhythms of our community. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I find church planners are just satisfied with coming up with a unique idea. And to me, that's not enough. I mean, uniqueness is good and experimentation is good, but the goal is not to be a unique church. The goal is to be a healthy church, mm -hmm. a church where, um, where spiritual health is not only possible, it's probable that it's, it's frequent that, that people who come to us who are injured leave or, or, uh, or find themselves, uh, recovering from their injuries. I mean, yeah, as, as so long as the evangelical church keeps producing nuns and duns, we have to, we ha some of the planting that we do has to go back into that pile of humanity and start doing the recovery. But I find we're some experimental church planters are way too satisfied with being experimental and experimental is part of what we bring to the table. But the end goal is not to plant a unique church it's to plant a healthy church. And so to me, that's really important. And what I love about what Randy's doing is it's not only unique, um, 
but it is actually it, it is it's healthy. Um, now I don't know if if Randall and community like measure in the way that I'm suggesting, but I think that that he's onto something, and I think as a community we could take this idea and 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 move it forward. Oh yeah, and I love the story that he shared about his son, about um, his son, you know, feeling better doing these breath prayers and what a revolution that was for for him to see his son doing that and you know it's the stories like that that communicate the health of a church it's stories like that of change and of awareness um that are just so encouraging to me even though it is unique and different breath prayers i don't even know what breath prayers are so you know hearing something unique and different is amazing but the part that catches me is the part that it it made a lasting change in in someone in his community's life just so happened to be a son but that it made a change and I, i love hearing stuff like that so thanks so much to randall for sharing that great story with us the great talk that he had and really folks this is what learning parties are all about we come together we hear from one another we learn from one another and then we have the opportunity to sit together and to chat about it and to have these conversations that jared and i are having right now this back and forth what did you like what didn't you like what were you challenged by Um, it's a really wonderful environment and we would love to see you there on november 5th if you need any more information about the learning party it is on our website newleafnetwork.ca the event page we're right there or you can always send us an email info at newleafnetwork.ca if you're looking for more information as well check us out on the facebooks we're there too we try to be where all the kitties are so make sure you hit us up we'd love to hear from you see you later bye friends thanks for listening to the new leaf podcast you can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our facebook page new leaf network We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.